Welcome back to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. First, I want to say welcome to any new listeners and welcome back to my subscribers. Thank you for listening to Independent Thought each and every week and hitting that subscribe button. If you are a first-time listener and you're unfamiliar with the podcast, you will be noted to know that this episode, like most of my episodes, are split into two halves. And the second half of the conversation after the break will be a brand new one with my guest for the week. Now, as I have been alluding to, to some people on Instagram and Twitter, I am today reacting to all of the noise with Joe Rogan, all of the calls for him to be censored, removed from Spotify, uh, the terrible videos that we've seen come out about him where he just relentlessly says the n-word over the years going to be talking about all of that today um but if you are looking to get my reaction on this joe rogan thing in the next five minutes you have obviously never been to my podcast before we don't really do five minute takes around here it's more like 20 or 30 minutes so if you don't got that kind of time i understand this is going to be a little bit uh let me just start right off from the beginning, just in case some people were here to, you know, want to know right away whether or not I think Joe Rogan should be censored. The short answer is no. The short answer is no. If that's not what you wanted to hear, I understand. I will I'll see you in the next episode. Uh, but allow me to give, you know, allow me to uh, take a few minutes to explain why I've come to that conclusion. So I'm going to go piece by piece and kind of break down what my thoughts are on this situation. We're going to talk about the perception that's around Joe Rogan's podcast, uh, the claims that have been made against him for spreading vaccine misinformation, the racist language on his podcast, and then finally, why exactly did I come to this decision about whether or not I, I do not believe that Joe Rogan's podcast should be censored or removed from Spotify. So let's just start out with how this conversation really got going. Because I know that some people have been talking about this for a while, but this really ramped up a few weeks ago when Neil Young first wrote a letter to his manager that he asked me to deliver to Spotify on his behalf, where he said, either it's me or Joe Rogan. You can't have both. Basically telling Spotify he was giving them an ultimatum and that he would not share the same platform with someone who was spreading vaccine misinformation. Now, this kind of led into a spiral of a bunch of people, you know, on Twitter and other places on social media asking uh, Spotify to remove Joe Rogan's podcast. People were posting screenshots of them, like deleting their Spotify accounts, deleting Spotify premiums, asking for boycotts of Spotify if they didn't remove his podcast. And so that's when this first came on my radar. And I had to ask myself, you know, like, why, why now, I guess, I mean, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, never really been the most politically correct place in the world. Definitely not. Um, 
and he's had some very questionable guests on over the years, which we're going to get to in a little bit here. But I, I just, I wanted to kind of put my cards on the table a little bit here because I have listened to Joe Rogan's podcast over the years. Uh, not an avid fan. I wouldn't even call myself like a fan, but I have checked in a few times over the years, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 times over the years. Uh, in no way, shape or form would I ever say that I think this guy is great or that he's someone who should be worshipped. I'm not really in that camp. Honestly, the guy's a moron. And he'll be the first to tell you that himself if you ever listen to him speak. Um, truthfully, if you listen to the Joe Rogan experience, you're really going there to hear whatever guests he has on. And for those who are unfamiliar with this podcast, it really, I think the perception being laid out in the media right now is that the podcast is like giant, like tube of right-wing conspiracy theory type nonch, like nonsense, the kind of like akin to what you might get on Newsmax or, or Infowars or, or, uh, you know, Tucker Carlson on steroids. And that's just really not what that podcast is. It's normally just these most out of left field conversations. I mean, they're usually just absolutely nothing that'll get talked about pop culture, uh, ancient civilizations, comedians and actors will come on there. I one time tuned in for an episode where it was an astronaut talking about what it was like to be in space. And that was honestly captivating. Uh, but yes, yeah, sometimes political figures do come on both on the left and the right. Um, you know, notably on the left, David Pacman, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske, uh, Bernie Sanders and Dr. Cornell West. And I think my favorite person that I ever heard listened to on there was a man by the name of Daryl Davis. Uh, he's a black man who actually was able to convince more than 200 KKK members to leave the Klan. Admittedly, though, you know, this probably goes without saying for those of you who have read the news, because the news um, pointed this out several times. He's had on some terrible fucking guests. And I'm not going to defend this in one way or another, because Joe Rogan has had some terrible guests on. Uh, and there, there are people that I understand, like having a platform where you would like to maybe share, share the mic with somebody who has different political views than you. But some of these, you know, I, I find to be very questionable. I mean, Steven Crowder, Jordan Peterson, the leader of the Proud Boys, Alex Jones, multiple times. I would never even conceive or consider having Alex Jones on any platform. You know, I'm going to rail against the idea of censorship here uh, later on in the podcast, but there's exceptions to every rule. And I'm completely okay with someone like Alex Jones being censored and basically kicked off the, the internet to the ends of the earth. But, you know, with that being said, you know, should Rogan be censored for this particular case? And some people were saying that he just platforms a bunch of people who shouldn't have platforms. And I just do not believe that that in and of itself is a, a good enough reason to censor somebody. I mean, yes, I, I wouldn't have had people like that on my show, but you know, I also do not believe that censoring someone for having political discussions with you know somebody who is a conservative or who's an extreme like right-wing conservative is enough of a reason to essentially remove somebody off of a major platform like Spotify or to be censoring them in general. You know, and just going a little bit further into this discussion, I think right now in a broader sense, 
we have become so tribal with our politics that we're almost afraid to even hear an opinion that's outside of our own. And I do think it's in a lot of ways healthy to actually hear the state, the stance and the takes of people who agree or who disagree with you politically. I think that's a healthy thing for everyone to get outside of your bubble occasionally. It's amazing how insulated I think we all are in social media right now that we've kind of had these curated political bubbles for ourselves. It almost like leads people to believe that there are not other people who feel differently or that they must be on the fringe if they don't think the way that we do. But that's a conversation for a different day when we talk about how algorithms are curated and how our social media preferences really kind of warp our perception of reality. But I guess in, you know, in a summarize, as far as, you know, the perception of the podcast is concerned, the media, it would seem would have you believe that this is some crazed podcast that's just always about politics. That's not really true. And there are a somewhat of a balanced levels of both left and right political figures who do come on there. Although I will say that there have been more right wing voices on the Joe Rogan experience than left wing, but it's not really what it's being made out to be. But let's go on to the anti-vax conversations that people have been referring to. This really has popped up by two doctors who came on to Joe Rogan's podcast, Dr. Robert Malone, and I believe his first name is Peter, Peter McCullough. These two doctors came on to Joe Rogan's podcast, I believe within the last year. They were two different three-hour discussions. Now, these are the discussions that most people are pointing to when they're talking about uh, that Joe Rogan is spreading vaccine misinformation. So these doctors came onto Rogan's podcast and they went on and made several claims that these um, mRNA vaccines, like the Pfizer Moderna ones, uh, were risky, saying that they had dangerous side effects. They said that they uh, should be instead of pushing these vaccines on people that they should be advocating for natural immunity. The doctors also advocated for ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, uh, two medications. And they were saying that public debate over COVID-19 has been unfairly censored. So is it okay to have conversations like that on a podcast where millions of people are going to be tuning in? That's very conflicting for me. I mean, I, I think the way, the way that he did it, I think was irresponsible. I think it was very irresponsible. Uh, I think if you're going to have those conversations, it needs to be prefaced with saying that the information that those doctors are presenting are going against national standards for, you know, implemented by the CDC and the WHO. But the more complete way to go about it would have been to have had, if you're going to have that level of dissent coming on to a podcast of that size, where you know you have that type of influence, you have to, I think, in my opinion, have another doctor on who could challenge those narratives in real time. Now, Rogan did have another doctor come on to the podcast, I think, after these two doctors, uh, Sanjay Gupta, who is the, I think, is the senior uh, doctor who works for CNN. He did go on Rogan's podcast and spent three hours talking with him as well, also basically trying to rebut some of the information that had come out of these two other podcasts with Malone and McCullough. I would have preferred to have seen Gupta in 
a conversation with Malone or with McCullough so that they could have discussed these things in real time. Because the fact of the matter is, is that there are some people who are still vaccine hesitant. And I just, I, I just feel as though that what really needs to happen for some of these people is just to have these conversations just hashed out in real time so that they can hear both sides of the arguments. And someone who actually has better information, someone like Asanjay Gupta would be able to explain in real time why these other doctors' claims are not legitimate. So, but at the same time, I do wanna address something else here. The way that the, again, that is being perceived with Rogan's podcast is that is being perceived as though his podcast is somehow leading to a massive amount of like vaccine hesitancy. Uh, here in our country. And I just got to say that the numbers really don't support that. I just want to throw a few numbers out to people, just in case you're not aware of currently what is going on in our country as far as vaccination rates. Uh, as of today, 75% of all U.S. adults are fully vaccinated. That is as of today. 87%, 87% of all U.S. adults have had at least one dose of the vaccine. Now, I just want to take a moment to kind of appreciate those numbers because with all of the vaccine like disinformation and misinformation that is out in the open right now and has been for the past year, those are staggering numbers. Those are staggering numbers that in less than a year of uh, basically accessibility to the public of the vaccine, that we were able to get three quarters of the adult population in the country to be completely vaccinated. And when you take that into account, that also means that people who are Republican, you know, or who people who are, who we all have been told are vaccine hesitant, have been overwhelmingly getting the vaccine. And so when I look at this, when I look at this data, you know, it tells me that what, what we're being told is that you know, Rogan is out here just like spreading lies. It's causing, you know, like so many people in this country to be vaccine hesitant, but that just does not appear to be the case. I mean, it seems as though, you know, with all the disinformation flying out there about, you know, vaccines, people are still going out there and getting the shots. And these numbers are in fact improving as time has gone on. When it comes to some of these stats, I just want everyone to know that I will have links in the episode description. So for those who want to look at these stats for themselves and the sources that I'm getting them from, they will be in the episode description. But I, I think the point that I'm trying to drive home here is, you know, for the longest time, I feel as though we've been having a conversation around like people who are unvaccinated in this country because people were worried about, you know, unvaccinated people, you know, like, and, and the level of transmissibility that they had and that they would be infecting other people. Um, you know, who, and just giving the virus to people. But, you know, I, I gotta say, currently in this age of Omicron now being the dominant strain here in the country, it, it's really, COVID has now evolved to a place where even if you're vaccinated, you are still transmitting, tra you're still transmitting the virus regardless if you are vaccinated or not. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you are vaccinated, which, I also am, I advocate that people do get the vaccines. They are working exactly how they were, I mean, designed to do. They are preventing severe hospitalizations and death. In fact, the CDC has said that 99%, 99% of all COVID deaths 
since May of last year have been in unvaccinated people. And you know, so the, the data is really supporting the fact that these vaccines do in fact work. And if you have the vaccine, I, I don't think you really need to be, and this is just my opinion, just my opinion. I, I don't think you need to be afraid of unvaccinated people and them giving you, you know, COVID, even if you catch it, the, you know, your vaccination has the ability to protect you from serious harm from this virus, just as it would if you were to catch COVID from a vaccinated person. So I really do believe, you know, like at this moment in time, you know, if people are choosing to be unvaccinated, I don't, I don't think that that's really, you know, like anyone's business, but their own. I think that, you know, at this point, you know, in the pandemic, you know, that's a decision that they're making for their own life. And, and so if people want to seek out this bad information, if they want to hear inaccuracies about vaccines that are not true and make decisions about their own lives, about not wanting to get vaccinated, honestly, that's on them. I mean, I would hope that we would be still putting in place as much good information as absolutely possible to help people guide them to a better decision. But at the end of the day, that is a decision that they have to make for themselves. And so telling these people that they can't have this bad information, I don't know. It was a different story when it felt like their bad decisions were affecting the lives of other people. But it would seem now, especially now that we are getting up to the 75% you know, percent fully vaccinated adults you know, in the country, you know, honestly, what's left over is that you know, the unvaccinated are more or less just harming themselves. So if, the, if people want to go down that path, they can, they can go down that path. I think the rest of us who are vaccinated are going to be mostly okay if we come into contact with COVID. But, you know, let me be clear about one thing. You know, when we talk about whether or not podcasts like this are harmful, I mean, yes, yes, there are some people who are, you know, genuinely like led astray by conversations like this, especially when, you know, these doctors come on, you know, Malone and McCullough, and they perpetrate information that is not credible whatsoever. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is harmful. But I don't think it is as harmful as we are making it out to be. Uh, I just just truthfully speaking, I think that most of the country from looking at the data here has become fully vaccinated. So the, the quote unquote harm of podcasts like this might be a little overstated, but if anything, you know, I, I think what ends up happening here, you know, if you do try to go ahead and get rid of conversations like this, it might actually backfire with your intent. So what should we be doing? I mean, labeling the episodes is the route that Spotify is going on now saying that they're going to label any episode that has conversations around COVID. I believe that's a good thing to do. I also heard that Rogan was planning on having more doctors on who would dispute um, the claims of these other doctors on in the future. That's a good thing to do. I still think that they should have these people on at the same time so that when these bad claims are made, they can be rebutted in real time. Because unfortunately, you're only really giving more power to bad claims. If you try to banish them to some dark corner of the internet, if you're trying to remove it off of Spotify in a, 
in a show of, you know, like, oh, we're, we're not going to let you, you know, spread this bad information. It's actually just going to make it more popular. I mean, I, I wouldn't have known the names of these doctors if it wasn't for this controversy. I think it only shines a brighter spotlight on this bad information by trying to do that. And, and if the goal is actually to squash misinformation, if the goal is to, you know, like quell, you know, some of the, the hype around this, this bad information, I mean, we, this is actually the exact wrong thing to do. I mean, we should be engaging with this information because what this really comes down to, you know, in my opinion, is a lack of education. You know, people are not educated thoroughly about what is going on with the vaccines. They're not having their questions answered. And so you don't really combat a lack of education by continuing to foster the environment that led to the lack of education. So people need to have their, you know, people need to have these, these takes combated in real time. And I was able to find a doctor who also, I guess, believes in that exact same philosophy. In a show that I watch pretty consistently uh, called Breaking Points, they had on a doctor by the name of Dr. Vinay Prasad. He came on to Breaking Points and spent about 30 minutes talking about how he went through the podcast, both of them, both with Malone and McCullough. And he wrote, uh, I think, a 3,000 word response on his Substack to every single claim that was made in that podcast. And let me just play a little quick clip so that you guys uh, just know a little bit more about Dr. Vinay Prasad's credentials so you can understand why he's a, a good expert to rebut their information. Okay, great. Uh, so, you know, I'm an associate professor here in epidemiology and biostatistics at the University of California, San Francisco. I'm also a hematologist oncologist. I'm a practicing doctor. I think this is my seventh year uh, attending. And so I, you know, I still run clinics. I attend on service and I do research on evidence. Literally what my laboratory studies is the quality of evidence and how to appraise evidence. And so, you know, I took those skills and I turned it to these two, three hour podcasts. And that's what you get in this essay, uh, sort of what they got right and what they got wrong. I think it's important to talk about both. So I watched that entire 30 minute conversation with Dr. Vinay Prasad. It was a great conversation. I really appreciated him coming onto that podcast and kind of breaking down some of that extra information. I thought it was just good to know exactly what the rebuttals were to some of the bad claims that were out there. Thought just thought it was a great piece of information. And I did read over his essay that he printed off. And I'm not going to uh, read off everything here. I will have a link to this in the episode description along with some of the other links. But I kind of just wanted to read the last couple paragraphs that he had posted in here, because I think this is actually a pretty decent summary of my feelings as well on this situation. So I'm just going to read this off here really quickly. He says, the efforts to censor Malone and McCullough have massively backfired, with both men gaining prominence and publicity from the attempts to shut down their speech. More generally, I strongly disagree with the efforts to censor scientists, even if they are incorrect and no matter the implications of their words, as I believe the harm of censorship far exceed any short-term gains. One problem, which has been on full display in this controversy, is that censorship may draw more attention to incorrect ideas. Another is that in the middle of any crisis, the answers to many scientific and policy questions will be uncertain. Disagreements on these questions is natural, 
and attempts to suffocate quote unquote harmful speech run the risk of stifling critical debates, including by silencing third parties who may have important contributions, but who fear the political or reputational consequences of speaking up. Perhaps the most serious objection to censorship is that the censors themselves are not fit for the task. Censors are unaccountable. They may be biased, misinformed, or uneducated. They may lack perspective. In short, they are as fallible as the people they are trying to censor. This is especially true in science, where, as history shows us, consensus views can turn out to be false, while controversial or heretical ideas can be vindicated. Finally, in the modern world, where the censor is so often a giant technology company, there is a tremendous potential for abuse. The same tools used to suppress scientific misinformation may someday be used to solidify political power and stifle dissent. And that, I think, in summary, is really what I am worried about when I think about censorship. Because when we talk about censorship of anything, I think it has to be a grave threat, like a, a massive threat in order to legitimately stifle uh, speech. You know, when Donald Trump was kicked off of Twitter last year, that felt that that felt like appropriate, given what had happened on January 6th. When Alex Jones gets banished off of every platform known to man, given everything that he's done over the years, I don't bat an eye at that. Like those are times where censorship makes sense, but censorship should be an extreme option. It should be an extreme option. And I just don't think that what we are discussing here today warrants that extreme option because the thing about censorship is it always starts out with the best of intentions, but the pendulum always swings back the other way. And so when we're talking about battling misinformation, disinformation, no to censorship, yes to engagement, engagement, engagement over and over again combat bad information with better information. That is the way to go about this. Now, I want to just conclude talking about the racist language on this podcast. I had written out most of this episode uh, a couple nights ago, and then I came across the videos of Joe Rogan saying the N-word over and over and over and over again. And... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It definitely changed quite a bit of my feelings about how I wanted to go about this episode and how I am going to be thinking about Joe Rogan going forward because I, I, I saw the video and then I saw his apology afterwards. And he was saying that in the video, he was saying the N word a bunch in try in a way of in context. So meaning that he was saying it because he was referring to somebody else who had said it in each one of these uh, each one of these instances. And he also profusely apologized for calling black people in an all black neighborhood uh, planet of the apes or, or something along those lines. Now he says that these were all happening about 10 or so years ago. I had a really hard time, you know, swallowing all of this. You know, I have he, let me let me also add the fact that he said that you know in no way shape or form was he you know trying to be racist he wasn't saying that word in a racist way 
and this is something that I've heard other people say in the past. I've actually, just in recent years, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a black person. I'm, I would hope that most people would know that who listen to this podcast. Um, I've actually had a conversation just about a year or so ago where I was speaking with a white lady and she also used the N word in front of me uh, in a similar context. And in that moment, I got very, very upset. And it, w- it dawned on me that she, like, like Rogan probably did back in the day, just didn't see anything wrong with using the word in that fashion because, you know, just thought that they weren't saying it in a racist way. And I, I'm just blown away by people who have those thoughts go through their head. You know, there's a part of me that always tries to understand people. I think it's the part of me that went to college for psychology. I'm always trying to understand why people think the way they think. But I, I would hope that most people would know at this point in our society that that's just not a word that you can say if you're a white person. I mean, just keeping it real with everybody, as a black person, I don't say that word. It's a fucking terrible, disgusting word. I wish that everyone would stop saying it, but I just don't think, you know, society as a whole is there yet, but it's a different conversation for a different day. And maybe there was a part of me that was willing to almost accept that bullshit apology because ignorance is abound in society as much as I want to assume that everyone knows that you shouldn't say that fucking word anymore. But then I saw another video of him uh, the, and I posted this one on Instagram from 2017, where he had on, um, I, I believe he's a comedian, something Fitz, Fitzgibbons. I, I forget what the guy's last name is. But anyway, in the, begin, in the clip that I posted, he's egging this person on trying to get him to say it over and over and over again. And then when the guest finally says it, like Joe, like cackles out in laughter and This was only like five years ago after, you know, Joe claimed in his apology video that he, you know, like hasn't said the word in a long time. And and I'm sorry, he even went on to say it himself in this 2017 video. So while I never listened to the Joe Rogan experience ever because I thought Joe was some great person, I never left the Joe Rogan experience prior to, you know, just these last few days thinking to myself that Joe was a bad person. I thought Joe was... uh, a misguided person. Joe was kind of a, it's kind of a moron. You know, he wasn't the smartest person in the world, but I was there for his guests. Like I was there for whatever conversation was happening. I wasn't really there for him, but my perception of him has definitely changed uh, after seeing, you know, these, these recent videos, because I, I understand that maybe in his mind, he believed that he wasn't being racist, but that doesn't change the fact that he was being fucking racist. Now, the the real question that I wanted to ask myself is, and probably other people are also talking about, is saying racist things make you a racist? I know that we're kind of getting a little bit into minutia here, but the way I define these things, I think that ignorant people can make mistakes and say and do racist things but that might not make them a racist. And how I categorize someone who is a racist is someone who will say or do racist things. They understand that they are harming somebody and they don't care because they feel like they're allowed to, or they feel like they, 
you know, are superior, that people of these other races are inferior. I don't believe that Rogan falls into that category, but that's no, it's still no excuse for that. And, and honestly, that little apology video, I just, I just don't think it's good enough. Truthfully speaking, that was incredibly racist, like things that he was doing, comparing black people to apes. And then even if you were ignorant 10 years ago, you were still making fun of it five years ago. You know, at that point in time in 2017, I mean, there, there really is no excuse for that. So I've, I've definitely lost respect for the person. I'm going to have a hard time. I don't think probably ever turning that, that podcast back on again. But with all that being said, I, I still fall into the exact same place. And this is how I'm going to close out this conversation. I, I just do not believe that censoring Joe Rogan is the answer. I, I understand that everyone would want to censor him. You know, he's said racist shit. He's had on vaccine skeptics. He's had on like right-wing like bigots. I mean, I'm sure that the easy thing to do would be to say, let's just banish him off the internet. He's a problem. He's toxic. But I, I promise you, like in my heart of hearts, I do believe that that would cause more harm than good. Um, people like that don't deserve to be censored. I, I think it would actually just create more of a toxic storm than need be. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I think that's just a great way to kind of like close this out. Censorship is not the answer. It just isn't. I'm sorry. I know, I know it's easy. I know it's convenient. It would feel nice. I mean, feel like almost like a win and an own, but it's just really not the solution that we're all looking for. If the goal is to create a, a better society, censorship will always come back the other direction and it, it just, it really will always be used as a, as a tool of the powerful to attack the powerless eventually, even if it starts out with the best of intentions right now. So with that being said, I'm going to conclude this conversation about Joe Rogan. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have my guest for the week. Stay tuned. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. 
Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Independent Thought. And my guest for this week is Leah, the host of the Take Up Space podcast and the founder of Champions of Discourse. Leah, welcome back to Independent Thought. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is. Uh, it has been a little while here since I had you on the show, but I felt like whenever you and I just get together, we always find something to talk about and you know, right before we started having this particular conversation, we were talking about conspiracy theories. And so yes. I kind of want to, I want to go down that, that, uh, I guess that rabbit hole a little bit and talk a little bit more about that. Cause it was also branching <laughs> off another conversation that we were talking about as far as being a critical thinker, you know, but before we get into that particular subject, when it comes to like conspiracy theories that people see online, like, why do you think so many people get caught up in them? Because people are always like, our brains are hardwired to find the why. We just want to know why things happen. Not necessarily what happened is more important to know the why. So if we can make things make sense, it gives us some semblance of control, right? So if we're like, oh, why did this happen? Well, if the deep state wants this and then I have to do this and it kind of gives them justification for their brand of self-control or um, entitlement, especially when it comes to people who are like, well, I have to carry because I need to protect myself. Well, are you, are you trained to protect yourself? No, I just have a weapon because the deep state and QAnon and Pizzagate and all these other things and the Illuminati is coming for our children. They're Satanists. So you can, if you can make up anything to make it make sense, you can honestly just do whatever it is that you want. I mean, I, I feel like people just get caught up in the idea that there is this, I don't know, this, this um, how, what's the best way to even describe it? I think people think that the government's a lot more organized than it actually is. You know, like <laughs> I think when I talk to people about, you know, um, about conspiracy theories, it always feels as though the people who are really caught up in them have this, this grand idea that people in the government have this, this massive plan that they're trying to orchestrate and that it's all just a giant plot to eventually do X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, these people are not that smart. Like, why do you, why do you think that they actually have a plan? Like, if you've like been paying attention to politics at all, I think it's pretty obvious. These people have no plans other than trying to find a way to get paid. I think they're all exactly. a little corrupt, but yes. I mean, little is probably the wrong word there, but you know, yeah, I just, um, but with that being said, I mean, some conspiracy theories, I mean, they're all kind of entertaining. I, I think I always get a little caught up in the aliens ones, but that's just me. <laughs> The aliens one, the, the alien conspiracy theories are kind of fun. And because it's, it, it kind of mixes in with the sci-fi and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like there's aliens, but now when we have like the lizard people conversation and it's like, oh my gosh, they're planted among us. And I'm just like, yeah, but 
they're not paying my bills, so I don't really care. <laughs> like, what are you what are you going to do if you meet a lizard person? What are you actually going to do? You know, I, I thought for a long time that there wasn't that many people who actually believed in lizard people, but then I saw how big of a following Alex Jones had, oh and I look. I, oh. I went to school for psychology, right? And mm -hmm. I am always fascinated by why people think the way they think. It probably also plays into how I, you know, like, you know, approach my podcast when I talk about yeah. like why people are on the left or why they're on the right or why they believe in their values, so on and so forth. But I'm always really just, whenever I hear about this, people are like, yeah, did you know that this is happening or this is happening, this is happening? My first thought is like, why do you think that's true? You know, like, like, why do people go down these rabbit holes? And I, 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 I don't know always. Like, like, what do you think it is? Hey, a lot of people do want to make sense of the crazy, but some, I think that there has to be at some, at some level, just an agreement that there are coincidences that happen and there hasn't, doesn't have to be some grand scheme. I think some people have bought into like people think that the government is like Marvel, right? Some grand 10-year plan to come up with these awesome episodic cinematic adventures, but it's really like this slumped together DC universe that's kind of like, oh, what are you gonna do? Reset the timeline? Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's do it. We tried it before, let's try it again, bring in some old people, you know. Well, it's fine, it'll be fine. It's that's kind of what it is. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to have to use that analogy going forward. No, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy to me, but I, I think, you know, truthfully, if I'm trying to like take a step back and be a little, a little serious about it for a second, I, I think that one thing that we do see in our society is that, you know, time and time again, governments claim, well, people within the government, you know, to, regardless of whether we're talking about the executive branch, legislative branch, so on and so forth, people make promises that they're going to do X and then they end up never doing X. Right. And, you know, they always say that we're going to do these, you know, these things to materially benefit your lives. And then what ends up happening is that that never even kind of comes close to happening and your life ends up getting worse than when it was before. And right. so on one level, I do kind of understand why people are distrustful of the government. Like that makes perfect sense. I think I've always just been a little skeptical about why they think that there's like this this grand master plan like you were talking about but you know i, I think that kind of ties into something else that we were talking about was be which means like being like a critical consumer of information i feel as though there's not really a whole lot of that all the time it feels as though we're getting our information in real like bite-sized places and Absolutely. so instead of taking the time to pick apart everything that's going on we just kind of like take a quick little blurb and react to it more or less or what do you think? Do you think I'm a little off on that? No, it's absolutely the, we are the rip from the headlines, like world right now. So we, we only look at the headlines and if the headlines read a certain way, then we automatically assume the story. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Thug gets caught in a car accident. It's like, oh, um, they set up this black man to take his organs. Wait, what? That's not even, that's not even what happened. How did you, this just was a headline. So did you read the story? So it's like people are, I don't, I really wish that more people would read and write more, honestly. 
And Jordan Peterson made this argument and I wholeheartedly agree with it. People have to write so that they can understand what they think. And if they read and write consistently, even just writing 15 minutes a day, you can organize your thoughts in such a way to understand how you think, why you think, and where those things come from so that you are making arguments for what you stand on. If you ask somebody, like if I were to ask you, you know, why did you wear that shirt today? You know what I mean? You're like, well, shoot, it's my favorite shirt. Like I like wearing it, it's comfortable. It's this, is that, it's cool outside, whatever the case, right? Yeah. But some people are just like, oh, I didn't put much thought into what I did. Well, why did you go and hit that person? Why did you go and get this job? What direction are you going in your life? Oh, I'm not really, you know, something on TikTok was like, hey, go to these jobs and see if they're hiring. You know what I mean? So, was, but there's no real thought behind what it is we do or why we do it, which is, which is frustrating when I, when I talk to some people and I'm just like, well, what do you expect or what are you trying to get to? What is the ultimate goal? Yeah, that, that's the question that I, I find myself asking not only myself, but other people quite a bit is just, you know, like, oh, like, well, what do you plan on doing? And there, there does seem to be some kind of like a disconnect there. I wonder if, you know, people are just not engaging with thinking about things too deeply because, I mean, I mean, who knows? It's a def- bunch of different reasons that can come to mind, but I think that, you know, more or less what we're seeing in our society right now, and again, I think I've brought this up on another podcast before, but I, I think technology plays a huge role in this. You know, when it comes to our cell phones, for instance, you know, we, we've kind of like in- ingratiated them into our society, like so fully now that we don't even like think about the detriment that comes with them. Like for instance, you know, everyone's attention span seems to have plummeted and people are experiencing record highs of anxiety. And I I think that a lot of people don't seem to correlate the fact that, you know, when you're constantly on your cell phone and you have to give yourself that little dopamine hit just over and over and over and over again, your mind kind of gets trained to want only that. And so you don't really go into any kind of process in your everyday life that isn't quick and simple and fast and repetitive. And yeah, it can lead to a bunch of different negative outcomes, including not really thinking about things ever. Cause all you want to do is just get that quick contact, that, that quick line, that quick, you know, reaction, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I wonder, and I just had this thought, I wonder if if we did have to think deeply, like not even like, you know, submarine deep, right? If we had to think past the seven second video or the 30 second or one minute video that we saw to get a laugh or to go, ooh, that happened. Yeah. If we had to think more deeply and find that there was a real issue, like if there was a situation where this person's rights seemed to be impeded upon, right? Is there if we think deeply about it, is there a call to action? Is there something that we don't want to do? So it's just easier for us to go, man, that's a shame. Well, not happening to me, swipe. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like Like how much of personal responsibility are we willing to take? When we're on our phones, we don't have to like, and we, we see it in trolls all the time. Yeah. They don't, they, they're these faceless, nameless people who create 30 different accounts just to put hate comments in somebody else's video 
who that may or may not be doing well just to make people feel bad, right? Get some attention. But if we think deeply about like how it hurt, like when, um, what is her name? Tabitha Brown uh, responded to Wendy Williams' comments, you know, and she didn't respond with hate or, or demeaning things. It was just like, how hurt you must be that you cannot recognize when, some, when other people are doing well and be happy for that person. You feel like it is your turn to tear that thing down or that group down. You know, that's a that's something that I want to ask you about. And it's probably slightly off topic, but kind of on point a little bit. When it comes to people being nasty online, I have always wondered like what leads people to do that? Because I see stuff all the time online that drives me crazy. You know, like yeah. I see someone saying some dumb shit. I see people posting things that I know are just not right for X, Y, and Z reason, but I'm not the kind of person where I always feel the need to engage. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's dumb. And then I just keep scrolling. But some people, they see stuff and they got to go in there and they not only have to like correct it, but they have to insult, you know, the person who it is, you know, so on and so forth. Like, wh where do you think that comes from? And I'm going to stop really quickly and just say that I think the worst of this happens on Twitter. Twitter, clean your shit up. But... <laughs> um, there are a lot of, I mean, TikTok is getting there though. TikTok is yeah. absolutely getting there with taking down people of color video, like the people of color who create videos, you know, uh, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, um, when they create videos, you know, calling out white supremacist behavior, their yeah. videos get taken down, but the video that they called out, nothing ever happens to it, right? So that's, and we're seeing that a lot where people are getting, and then people end up getting docs and um, information is put out there. People are bullied and it's so, it's so many things, right? Um, but I feel like there's no, like I said, there's no accountability to be had. If this nameless, faceless person can get attention, even for 10 seconds, right? Like, oh, I'm responding to your comment because I need to check you. Thank you for the attention. I needed that. Like somebody called me out. Like that's, I feel like a lot of times, a lot of times it's for attention. It's not even um, like Mrs. Kevin on stage. She, she was self-conscious about putting out certain content. She put out a video and she said she'd been working on herself. Somebody posted, I didn't like your attitude da, 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 when she said that. She was like, oh, I didn't realize that I did that. Like this Miss Kevin will say, she's responding. I didn't realize that I did that. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try to do better. The person responded. She was like, girl, I was PMSing that day. Uh, I didn't even, I don't even know why, why I commented to you. Why, why would you, why, I don't under, I think that a lot of people, because there is no accountability, people are not checking them. People like in, especially in real life, because people confuse, like they blur the line between what's online, which isn't real to what is in real life. And because they, they're not checked on a regular basis, like, what are you going to do? Come to my house? Oh, I'm going to call the police. Oh, like they're not, they're not being checked. So they can say and do whatever, and they can make all the time in the world. That can be their business. Just like, uh, what's that cat's name? Jason, who's like some blogger who, who is, he just goes after people and like goes after people to spill the tea and all that kind of stuff. And I'm wow. just like, I, no I don't. I don't understand why that's what like it's it's essentially being Wendy Williams yeah online 
that's essentially that's essentially what these trolls are, are doing in hopes of getting some kind of attention because that's the only attention you know how to get. Yeah, I I can't wrap my head around it. And then I feel like there's certain people online who build their whole culture around this. Like I know that yeah. I've gotten involved with certain people on Twitter in the last like few months and, and in certain accounts that I see or that other people that I follow, they follow. So whenever they react to that person's stuff, it gets filtered through me. And I'm just like, there's like a certain section of people who I feel like their whole goal on some of these social media platforms is just to be controversial, just Absolutely. for the sake of getting, you know, like likes and retweets and comments. Yes. And yeah. And it's just, it, it just feels so shallow. It, and a part of me is just like, like, like what is going on? That you Why think do that... I have to be deep? It just, it just has to look like something. I don't have to be deep. The gorilla glue girl, Tessica Brown went viral. She got <laughs> management like the week after. Like, oh, I, I just, God. listen, I just need to go viral, get a couple sponsors. Like, who is it? Where the money reside? I don't even know his name, but he has, he's like sponsoring a beauty company. Yeah. Like, come on. I just need to go viral. So if I say something to you and my posts, good, bad, or indifferent, but the negative posts seems to be able to go viral faster than the positive ones. That's true. That's true. And, and I think we were just talking about that earlier. Like the social media apps have definitely tailored it that way. We, I mean, I think all of us kind of knew that, but you know, when that Facebook whistleblower came out recently and kind of mm -hmm. cemented it, I think that was something like the, I guess the final wake up call for everyone else who just didn't already know that these apps are geared towards controversy and where they are Absolutely. actively trying to get people mad because they think that that'll keep you on the platform longer. I mean, yeah, social media for in so many different ways, whether we're talking about trolls or that, or we're talking about like people's shorter attention spans, it, it feels as though it's having an overall negative like detriment in people's lives. I mean, even so much so, which I think this was kind of a good thing, but it also shows that Instagram is kind of aware of what's going on is that they now change that. Um, they changed it so that you can hide your like and view counts. Because they know that how many people were getting upset when they weren't having, when they had a post that didn't get as many likes or not as many views mm. or something like that. And so now you can hide that, which I think is a good thing because people get way too wrapped up in how many like likes your post gets. I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. So I think that's an overall good thing, but I think that speaks a little bit more to Instagram, you know, in and of itself. And again, Facebook. Mm. Cause they're like, Hey, we know this is probably bad for your mental health. So let us help you out a little bit. But I, I think about it on this aspect, right? If you had to do a one sheet where you show your ability to reach people yeah. and how well your, your content is doing, hiding your likes and hiding your engagement could hinder you from having certain sponsors if they're looking for people who are hitting two, 200,000 and above, you know what I mean? Or like, oh, if you're hitting at least 2K, but if you can't show that your content is doing well, then, I mean, and I don't know how how that part of it works. I don't really get wrapped up in the the going viral or whatever. I just put out what I, what I feel like I would want to watch. And then once I put that out, I'm good, essentially. Like I'm not... I, I haven't been put in the mindset. And I think that's just because when I realize that it's like competition against other people, yeah, I just stay in my own lane. Like, 
I'm not trying to, oh man, they're doing a podcast too. Well, their podcast has absolutely nothing to do with you. Oh, they're doing a business. Their business has absolutely nothing to do with you. Unless they have services that can help your business or you're able to help theirs, that has nothing to do with you. But so many people who it was, um, dang, I can't remember the guy's name, but he said, it's not enough for me to win. You have to lose. And I feel like a lot of people have adopted oh, that God. mentality and it's that and that's what it, it made people and even being in quarantine it made people reactionary yeah i don't have to i don't have to regulate my emotions when i'm online i can feel fully what the thing is right so whether oh my gosh like this um this engagement video was so beautiful he set it up real nice you know she said yes it was really beautiful you got to see the whole thing yeah 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 but if you see something that's like racially motivated, right, or something that involves CPS, or if you see something that is uh, whatever the thing is that irks your nerves, you know, unclean house, or somebody talking bad about women, or somebody talking bad about men, or somebody talking bad about whatever, about even Dave Chappelle, right? He was he was another one. It was just like, oh, somebody talking bad about Dave Chappelle. Well, I'm on his team. Well, I'm not. Well, we can't be friends. And it's like, you you cannot be so reactionary in your emotions that yeah. you don't know how to regulate them. And I think social media plays a huge role in us not having to regulate them because we get to be so reactionary with our likes, with our comments, because we don't have, there's no, there's no recourse. Something bad happens. Okay, just delete the comment. Hope to God that nobody screenshotted it. And then yeah. if they did do, do an apology video at three in the morning, have puffy eyes. Make sure your face is all pinkish and then just be like, I haven't slept in all these comments and people just want to know. Nobody asked you anything. <laughs> nobody, nobody asked you anything. You did something you weren't supposed to do. You got caught. Move on. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine ever having to put out a puffy eyed uh, apology video. Thankfully, <laughs> I've never been put in that situation. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine what that would look like. But, you know, speaking, <laughs> speaking of podcasts and businesses and so on and so forth, could you, as we're wrapping this up a little bit, could you just tell everyone what is coming up next with Take Up Space with Champs of Discourse? What, like, what are you working on right now that people can go check out? Oh, absolutely. And thank you again for this opportunity. So I, I realized over the break because we took about a we took about a month off just to get reset and because we were going and then we were like, oh, we've done over like 60 episodes. Let's let's take a break and calm down just a little bit, and see if we're going in the right direction. So right now we are doing a series based uh, podcast where we talk to right now we're in the education um, and I don't know when this is going to be out, but we're doing education. We're doing mental health. Um, we're going to be doing business owners, real estate. We have multiple series that are coming up to, and I had to look up the plural series because I was saying it as series is, series, series. So series. series in and of itself is the plural already and it's singular as well. And I'm just like, okay. So it's like deer. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like who's yeah. Okay, so we have multiple series coming up and we're just talking to different people in their field, how they take a space, how they advocate for themselves and other people. I've had some really great conversations with different podcasters, different teachers, um, psychologists, real estate agents, investors, business owners. This has been such a really cool concept and it's paying off 
even before we release all the episodes. So I'm super juiced about that. So please tune in to Take a Space podcast um, to listen to those episodes. We are about halfway through our, our education series at this point. And yeah. so um, we've had some really good teachers on there. I'm really excited about the mental health, mental health series um, and the business owner series, those two that are coming out right after. Uh, for Champions of Discourse, we are also revamping a little bit. I used to do it as a teaching tool to help people learn how to effectively communicate. Being on social media, we can get used to yelling at each other and being hostile toward each other without really trying to understand each other. So I really wanted to help people uh, think critically about the way they communicate and try to understand what things, like, did they really have an attitude or did you hear somebody else's voice when they were talking? Because that's a big one. Um, So now we're teaching people leaders and people coaches, business owners, how to effectively lead and motivate teams. So if you are a people manager, if you are a business owner, whether you have employees or not, it's important that you learn how to properly be disciplined, inspire, motivate, and assist your team in reaching whatever goals you have for your business. Okay. That's Champions of Discourse. Everyone, make sure to go check out Take Up Space Podcast and Champions of Discourse. I will have those links in the episode description. Leah, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast today. I really Absolutely. do appreciate it. Hope to get you back on next season. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, everyone, we're going to take one final break and then we'll be right back with my final thoughts of the day. Stay tuned. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for this episode of Independent Thought. I want to first thank my guest, Leah, the host of the Take Up Space podcast. That was her third appearance on the podcast. Always good to have her back on. It's actually a very interesting guest segment. It was, I think, the first time maybe ever or or definitely in the last two seasons that I had a guest on where I did not plan out that conversation. Like, I always have at least bullet points for the conversation, but Lee is one of those rare people where I felt comfortable just kind of freestyling the conversation. We just really just let that go wherever it went. And it, it, I thought it came out great. So my way of saying Leah is pretty awesome. Love having conversations with her about anything. Check out her podcast. She's fantastic. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of the subscribers of Independent Thought. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. It is a huge deal to me that you show up and check out the podcast. Also to my patrons, everyone who is not just listening to the podcast, but they are investing in the podcast. Um, So many thanks to each and every one of you. I am hoping to using your investment to definitely taking this to a different level here this year. So thank you so much. As far as what's coming next for the podcast is concerned, we have two bonus episodes and three full episodes. Um, one, of will, one of which will be a solo full episode uh, for the rest of this season. And then once this season ends, I will be reformatting the podcast going forward. So season five will look very different as far as how my podcast is laid out. Shorter episodes are coming, everyone. Shorter episodes are coming. So But 
won't be shorter on content. You'll, you'll see what I mean. Anyway, last thing that I want to update as far as like upcoming content is concerned, YouTube content will be resuming very shortly here. If you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel yet, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel and turn on the notifications because YouTube is terrible about notifying people when I post anything. So please not only subscribe, but click the notification bell. So finally, you know, as we close out this episode, I just wanted to touch on the, the Rogan thing one more time. I know I said quite a bit about it in the first segment, but, you know, I, I think the thing that was really hard for me was I went into this whole situation having a pretty decent opinion about Joe Rogan. Uh, not again, not saying like, oh, he's some great person. I'll defend him to the death. But if you had asked me about Joe Rogan's podcast, I'm like, oh, it's pretty entertaining. Oh, yeah, it's not it's not too bad. I hadn't listened to the episodes where he had on McCullough and uh, Malone. So I wasn't aware that those had happened. I had no idea about his racist language over the years. Again, I think I've only listened to the podcast like 20 or 30 times, somewhere in that range over the last like three or four years, I think was the first time I discovered his podcast, like in 2018. But from all the times that I had listened, I had felt as if I was, I was enjoying it. I was, I was enjoying it. I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And when people would say bad things about it, like in previous years, I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand where the hate came from. It just seemed, it seemed, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't seem to add up given the experience I was having with it. But now having to take this deep dive, uh, I understand why some people are as upset as they are. I share, I share some of that, some of that now, uh, given what I've seen. But yeah, it's, um, it was tough. I, I heard a lot of different takes on this. Uh, I listened to, I think, Trevor Noah talk about it. I listened to Breaking Points talk about it. I listened to Kyle Kalinske talk about it. I listened to some other people talk about it. I saw so many takes, mostly on Twitter. It was like Twitter was flooded for days with nothing but either attacking Joe Rogan or defending Joe Rogan. Someone saying boycott Spotify. Other people saying I stand with Joe Rogan. It, it, it just felt... It was a swarm of takes. And so I was ingesting everyone's take at the same time, trying to, I guess, get a better formulation of my own. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I knew I was always going to come down to somewhere in the place of censorship is just not going to solve any problems that you might have with Joe Rogan's podcast. But man, there's just no defense for some of this shit. There's just no defense for it. And I'm not going to sit here and try to defend the man. Like that, There's no defense for some of the things that he said, for some of the guests who have been on his podcast. It's just like, I listened to him in the past and heard him talk about how he tries to insulate himself from how popular it actually is because he feels like if he takes it all in, then it would, I guess, change how he went about things. But I think on some level he needs to take some of it in because I don't think even he has a full grasp of how, of how big his platform has become. Like Tucker Carlson has the largest 
audience on cable TV for news. Joe Rogan's podcast has five times Tucker Carlson's audience. Spotify likens one episode of the Joe Rogan experience to be the equivalent of an impact on their platform that Taylor Swift has when she drops a new album. And that's every day that he drops an episode. So his intentional blind spot with not recognizing his impact on the country, it, it's, you know, it, it's a problem. It, it's, it's a problem. And I know that earlier in the podcast, I said that I didn't think his, inf- I thought his influence was being overstated. And now I'm saying something that sounds contradictory, but I, I don't think it's contradictory in the sense that while I think that Joe Rogan has a huge influence, you know, like on a lot of people at large, it's obvious to me at the same time that that influence is also not translating into people like in mass, not getting, you know, the vaccine, the numbers say otherwise, like when this pandemic began, they were talking about herd immunity. I know that they've changed their definition on what that means in the last few months, but we're getting close to numbers that they were talking about. So the country is continuing to get vaccinated regardless of everything that's been happening. The numbers are still going up. People are getting the vaccine. The vaccines are working and you're seeing policy shift now because of it. So I, I, yeah, I think at the end of the day, while I'm disgusted by some of the things that I saw and I'm disappointed in the decisions that Joe has made, you know, the, the, the vaccines are definitely working. And I, and I think that this reaction to his podcast has been definitely overblown. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, there, there's more hype around this than is warranted, you know, but if you want to be hype about something, this is how I want to close out this episode. There is something to be hype about because as I was saying earlier in the podcast, 99% of people who have died in America since May of 2021 from COVID are unvaccinated. Now, try to just imagine for a second that that's probably true in the whole world, that the people who are largely you know, at risk of dying from COVID are people who are unvaccinated. And while people are really worried here in America about the fact that you know people spreading vaccine misinformation is leading to vaccine hesitancy, the real issue with people not getting vaccines, I shouldn't say the real issue, that's, that's kind of minimizing. The larger issue of people not getting the vaccine is access, not here in America, but abroad, particularly in Africa. I said this during my booster shot episode earlier in the season, and unfortunately it's still true. The continent of Africa, which has 54 countries, and I believe over a billion people, has a vaccination rate of 11%. And it's not because of hesitancy, it's because of access. These countries do not have access to the vaccine because they're just waiting to get more and more shipments and they're just not coming. And I mean, like they they are coming at this like glacially slow pace because while the major vaccine companies were ready, willing, and able to distribute their vaccines, not just one dose, not just two doses, but three doses into very rich and wealthy first world nations, continent of Africa has been left hanging out to dry. 
And so who knows how many, I, I don't know, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it seems criminal to me that we're talking about how, you know, people are choosing not to get the vaccine being this massive problem when there are people who are begging to get the vaccine who can't get it because of greedy companies who would rather keep their patents on their vaccine versus allowing their formulas to be replicated in a generic fashion so that countries all over the world can develop their own vaccines. And so there could be finally some relief to countries who don't currently have access. But instead, we left these countries hanging out to dry. And there's little to no coverage whatsoever on this. And so if I'm sitting here asking myself who has led to more vaccine, I guess like who has led to like more people not having, you know, uh, the ability to get the vaccine, you know, like random bad information, you know, here in America on a Joe Rogan podcast or greedy corporations not allowing their vaccines to be given out to nations around the world who need it. I think the outrage should be pointed at the greedy corporations who are not allowing their vaccines to be sent out to other nations around the world, particularly in Africa. If you were to Google right now, vaccination rates by country, Google will pull up a chart for you. And if you click on the little tab that allows you to uh, rank it, you can go down and you can look at all the countries that are at the bottom. They are all in Africa. There are several countries in Africa that have less than 1% of a vaccination rate. And that has nothing to do with hesitancy. So it, it just it just feels like people's rage is just misguided. Uh, it's just, it's not being directed in the right place. It just feels like another example in a long line of examples of where we're being misdirected to be upset with something else. Meanwhile, greedy corporate America, once again, is making off in the other direction, getting away with whatever the fuck they want to. And it's just disgusting to me. But with all that being said, thank you all for tuning into this episode today. I was very uncertain about saying any of this because I knew that, you know, people just really, I'm sure people wanted me to come on here and just dunk on Rogan and say a bunch of nasty shit about him. And that was never what this episode was going to be about. And I knew I was probably going to say some things about the vaccine that made people maybe a little uncomfortable. Maybe I said something not quite as well as I should have. I was kind of frozen in fear thinking about recording this episode, but you know, I, I think during the course of having a podcast at some point in time, you know, you're always going to be intimidated by an episode. So just had to just record it and see where it goes. Thank you all for listening. See you in the next episode.